902 Brewing Company is the official beer of the Wager Pager podcast. Our friends over at 902 are putting out some of the best local craft beer in the Garden State. Log on to 902brewing.com to check out some of our favorite beers, like Juicy City IPA and Path Pale Ale. Or come grab a growler at the 902 Brewing Company tap room opening soon on Pacific Avenue in Jersey City, New Jersey. The Wager Pager podcast is also brought to you by Kingpin.pro. Do you want to stop losing all your money at sports betting? Kingpin.pro has the top cappers on the planet. Our cappers compete with each other to prove who is the best. Our top capper has a 61% win rate with over 400 plus picks. He's up to $25,000. Stop following handicappers with no records. Follow the best college football, NFL, Major League Baseball cappers on www.kingpin.pro. Download the Kingpin.pro iOS or Google Play app and use the promo code WAGER. That's promo code WAGER to get a special discount. Get pumped, get psyched. It's the Wager Pager Podcast. And welcome back to the Wager Pager podcast, where we talk about sports gambling, make picks, and conduct must-hear interviews with some of the sharpest minds in the industry. I'm your host, Chris Rogers. You can follow me on Twitter at WagerPagerChris. And please follow the pod on IG and Twitter at the Wager Pager. This is Season 2, Episode 4, recording live from Van Voorst Films in a muggy and hot Hoboken, New Jersey. That is correct. We're coming to you from our home state of New Jersey that won the battle against the Supreme Court and made the regulation of sports betting all possible. We got another great show for you guys today. We got Big Man on Campus, a.k.a. Jeff Nadeau, calling in to talk about college football, sports gambling media, and rap music. And it's college football week three, NFL week two. Of course, we got some picks for you guys. And I am joined, as always, by my dude, one of the sharpest gamblers I know, the man with 19 betting outs and someone who knows his way around the sports book. Here he is, Dirk Diggler's alter ego, Brock Landers. Hey guys, it's Brock. Follow me on Twitter at BrockLanders41. Glad to be here, Chris. And yes, uh, if you have been following me on Twitter, you'd see my adventures of this past weekend of uh, downloading pretty much every app available in the state of New Jersey. And uh, I had a lot of fun, Chris, Sunday, uh, going into those those games at around 12 o'clock, uh, signing in and out of every app and looking at lines pretty much all morning. Um, I wish it went a little bit better. It was a good kick in the teeth for me, actually. Uh, <laughs> it was it was good to uh, a good welcome back. That uh, it's it's really hard to beat NFL sides uh, week one. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. All right, let's talk about what happened in the, on the college football gridiron last week. LSU looking solid, looking like a national champion contender. They uh, looked very good in a seven-point road win at Texas. I lost that game by a half point. Never should have got on that six and a half. Anyways, Jalen Hurts continues to torch the college football landscape. He sat out the whole second half last week and still had 300 yards of offense and three touchdowns. So as we stand two weeks in, Hertz has completed 83% of his throws and totaled 814 yards. That's nine touchdowns and no picks. If you look back at the last two Heisman Trophy winners from Oklahoma, we have Kyler Murray at 64%, 607 yards, seven touchdowns, one interception. 
Baker Mayfield, 84% completions, 702 yards, six touchdowns, zero interceptions through two games. So Jalen Hurts is on pace, looks like, for a Heisman Trophy. The Heisman 4 rounding out right now. Their favorites are looking like Jalen Hurts, Tua, of course, Trevor Lawrence, and now Joe Burrow. What's going on in the NFL, Brock? It was a very wild week one. I know from the outset, I had Red Zone on, watching all the 1 o'clock games through Red Zone. It was like almost every five minutes there was something crazy going on, and it got to a point, I think I got to like almost the first half, and I tweeted out, this might be one of the most wildest week one uh, afternoon slates I've ever seen. A lot of stuff went down. Uh, Jacksonville was a team I loved all week. Unfortunately, Nick Foles goes down pretty much not even, I don't think, three minutes into the game. Uh, And, you know, you're going out of the backup, who I I know you're a fan of, I think, by by the mustache alone, uh, Gardner Minshew. (laughs) But I tell you what, the kid played pretty good coming off the bench. And I, I, you know, I had to make a comment. Imagine being in his shoes. I mean, you get this high-priced free agent to come in. Uh, run the show. Guy's got a Super Bowl uh, ring, and he goes down. I mean, are, are you expecting that at all? No one's expecting that. It's, that's insane. But give it, give him credit. He held his own out there. He worked with what he had. Um, and then Miles Jack got thrown out. Uh, pretty much, I think, maybe Kansas City's second uh, drive down the field. Miles Jack was ejected from the game. Um, so that really put a damper on all my Jacksonville bets. That, that sucked. Uh, way off on Miami. I guess I should have looked a little bit more at the... Uh, the motivation there after trading away some of those guys uh, pretty much right before that first game. And I, I just wasn't buying the Baltimore hype, but, uh, you know, it's another week in the NFL coming up. And uh, there were some really good games. Uh, Indy went to overtime. They, they had no business really covering that game. They, they missed a bunch of uh, extra points. Uh, Vinatieri, I think, missed two field goals. Really hard to beat the NFL. Uh, it's a very efficient market. You're going to get points like this where I, I think I can name probably maybe four games I was on where I was maybe a good, oh, I want to say maybe point and a half to maybe two and a half points better on some of the spreads and it didn't even matter. Didn't even come into play. I had Atlanta plus four and a half. That point spread didn't matter at all. Uh, again, Jacksonville, Denver. Denver, I had a great number on. I had plus two. They closed two and a half favorites. Uh, that game kicked me in the teeth. You know, I think the only one I really lucked out on was Buffalo plus three. Uh, I did have Indy plus seven, one of the nice, generous apps here in New Jersey. <laughs> you could look around. They're out there. And, yeah, that was pretty much it. I mean, some people pushed on that Colts game. We had one unfortunate tie. The NFL's got to do something about the ties, Chris. It's it's getting to a point where we see now one a year for sure. And last year, I think there was three or four, and we could be going down that road again. They just they, they need to fix overtime. You can't have ties. I can I completely agree, Brock. What is it? Soccer? No ties? There's only 16 games. Someone's got to win. A lot of shit going on last week in the football landscape. We got a lot of stuff looking ahead to this week. We got a really fun guest. Get pumped. Get psyched. It's the Wager Pager Podcast. All right, guys, and now for our interview with Jeff Nadu. All right, guys, we're very excited about this week's guest. This guy is someone I've been following on gambling Twitter for a very long time. He's a handicapper based out of Philly and Jersey. You may know him from his work on SBR's Sunday morning NFL preview show or from his big man on campus YouTube channel. 
Here he is, the big man on campus, a.k.a. BMOC, a.k.a. Jeff Nadeau. You guys can follow Jeff on Twitter, at Jeff Nadeau. What's up, man? Welcome to the Wager Pager. Welcome in, guys. I appreciate you all having me. I've uh, followed your show. I've been listening to it, and uh, I'm happy to be on here. I, I, you know, We've been kind of talking about this for a while, so happy to uh, join you. Thanks so much. We really appreciate the time you're giving us here, especially during football season. We know everybody's very busy with college football and the NFL. Uh, so far, are you off to a pretty good start with football? Yeah, I am. I actually have uh, a nice uh, season so far in college, and we're only a couple weeks in. Uh, NFL, obviously, we're only a few games in there. And I, I definitely tread lightly in weeks one and two. Obviously, want to kind of see what the lay of the land is. But, yeah, I mean, college is kind of my go-to right now, and uh, yeah, I've had a nice season so far. So, yeah, it's been a good start. Very cool. All right, Jeff, uh, just to get this interview kicked off here, how did you get started yourself in the sports gambling industry? Wow. Uh, I mean, I've been doing it for I – mean, I've probably been betting since I was five or six probably. Uh, I remember I used to bet on stuff, you know, at recess and stuff like that. I mean, I, I kind of like the people I hung out with, we always love sports. You know, we always watched football. I mean, I've watched football since I could see. I mean, I, the Eagles, you know, the, the college football. My my grandfather was a big Penn State fan. So sports were always in my blood. I mean, I've been doing that my whole life. But the betting stuff really kind of got real, real started in, in middle school. Uh, I just kind of started, you know, learning about point spreads. And I kind of always been, I've always acted a lot older than I was. Like when I was a kid, I never watched like stupid cartoons or not like that. I was always watching stuff that, you know, older people would watch. And I actually learned about sports betting from the Sopranos. I watched Sopranos. <laughs> I remember my mother and father would watch the Sopranos every week. And up until I was 12, my mother and father wouldn't let me watch it. So I would sit outside of their room in the hallway and watch the Sopranos. And I learned about sports betting through one of the episodes. Christopher had a lot of, a lot of trouble with, um, he was getting crushed as a bookmaker. And I remember just kind of doing the research on it at that time and learn a little bit more about it. And then from there, I just kind of really delved into it and made it something that I kind of just fell in love with. Uh, that's pretty interesting that you learned a lot through Sopranos and that kind of started your, your, uh, you know, introduction into it. What changes have you seen? Because, I mean, Sopranos, that was, what, late 90s, early 2000s? I mean, have you seen so much change in the sports gambling aspect of it all in the last 18, 19 years? Like, what's, like, the biggest difference? You know, when I, when I first started betting, I probably was, like, 14 at the time. I, I don't really think I even had an out at that point. When I was, like, 12 or 13, who, were I gonna, who was I going to go and bet with? I mean, no one really at school was too established with it, and I kind of just figured it into sports. But as I started to drive and like went to high school, people used to come into my barbershop with parlay cards and I would start with those. And, you know, you were looking like you would play like a $25 parlay card. You had a three team parlay. You're going to make like 125 on it. So for me, like that was kind of my start. And then, I mean, as, I mean, look where we are now compared to that. I mean, back then it was, I mean, getting info was, was a lot tougher. I mean, we, people seem to forget that like, and I don't know how old you guys are. I just turned 30. So my generation, like when I was an early teen, we didn't have like an iPhone or like, I mean, we were using DSL. We were barely using DSL internet. I remember we're using dial up most of it. So, you know, a lot of the research I was doing or, or, or learning about from the NFL was just from like, we would get it off like NFL primetime. I remember I was on every Monday or Tuesday, they would play NFL primetime, Chris Berman and Tom Jackson. And that's kind of how you found out the rest of the, the scores or 
I was a newspaper guy, so I'd read the newspaper, but you know, obviously it was much different. I mean, now you have the internet and you can literally find a stat on anything. I mean, it's, 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 it's amazing, but the business itself, I mean, I really started getting involved with gambling once Twitter was created. I was one of the original. And if you look at my date that I joined Twitter, I joined back in 2009, May of 2009. And that was when I first started, I created a game. That was my gambling thing. Like that was what I was trying to do with it. I was trying to build it up. I was trying to get people to follow me. And, um, I look, I think back to those times, like everyone, no one was a, a tout back then. There were touts, but they were few and far between. But I remember people like, if you guys know who Tweety Dimes is, Tweety Dimes is kind of an interesting character in, in the gambling world, but he was actually a, a pretty original back on Twitter. He was back then. There were a couple other guys, but just the scope of what gambling is now, I mean, it's, it's wild how much has changed even over the last five years. That's crazy, guys. Yeah, that, that, you're hearing Jeff Nadeau here, at Jeff Nadeau, one of the originators of sports gambling Twitter. I was actually going <laughs> to... That was my next question, so you just answered it. Yeah. Let's move on to... Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your YouTube channel and the videos you put out? It's great. I think some of the picks that you put out and then yeah. actually when you're live there watching games, some of those videos are great. Let the people know where they can find that stuff at. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been doing content for pretty long as well. You know, I, I kind of just started out on Twitter, you know, giving picks out and trying to get people to follow me. But once, you know, I started to find an avenue, um, I might have been around like, you know, I don't know, this might like five or six years ago. My My dad told me, you know, why don't you – try to start like a podcast or, or get on and do some sort of audio video work with, with trying to educate people on how to bet. And I remember back then I had a website, it was called Spreaker. I don't know if it's still around, but you would record podcasts and it would go directly to Twitter. And I remember the first one I ever did, I want to say over a two week period, I might've got nine or 10 views. And like most of them were me and like my mom and dad. And <laughs> I, my goal was to just find someone that I could get that would come on and do the show with me. And I found some random handicapper who I don't even think is on Twitter anymore, but you know, that kind of evolved and I kind of enjoyed doing it, but I'll go back and say it. I didn't really care that anyone wasn't listening to me. My goal was to just improve as a host, improve a, as someone that can give content out and be entertaining and, and, and resourceful. And it didn't really matter. If people were listening. And then I kind of find SBR. I, I, contacted them and they got me on doing some videos and um then they started letting me host shows and then i created my own youtube channel and you know it's only me that promotes it you know all my following is totally organic i've never bought anything i've never asked anyone for retweets M my goal is to just organically do everything and hopefully be discovered by a big big company which i'm in the process of kind of doing but you know, it's been a long ride of trying to build the content up, get people to listen to me, then turn it into something that can pay me an amount of money to do that. So, you know, the YouTube channel is really just to help people, to educate people. I don't charge anything for that channel. Uh, it's really just enjoying content. And I, I, I think one thing about me that might set me apart from anyone else is like, I, I truly love doing this. It's my passion. It's something that I feel like I'm meant to do. And it's been tough. I mean, you got to grind. I mean, I haven't had, you know, the best of times. I've had the worst of times and I've had good times, but I love doing it. And when I wake up, I enjoy it. So for me, I love the fact that everything I've done is organic and done by me. That's great stuff, Jeff. I mean, uh, you know, I, I totally see what you're, what you're saying. You, you wake up in the morning and it's something that you like to do. And I think it's very important yeah. in life. Um, now that you're you're down there in Philly, we have legalization here, uh, you know, in these states. 
has anything changed for you now that things are legal? Do you find yourself driving to some of these casinos now? Do you use the apps? What's like, has anything changed since legalization? Yeah, I, but I would say I, I don't know that I go to the casino much more. I mean, maybe a little more. I mean, occasionally I'll pop in, you know, if I'm in the neighborhood or whatever. But, you know, it's so easy to just log in and place a bet that way. And with the, with the amount of times I'm betting and how quickly I want to get stuff in and that kind of thing, I just, you know, if I'm there, I'm there. I don't play a ton of table games, so I don't really go to a casino for any other reason but to bet on sports. So, you know, I, and again, I mean, getting a local is like getting a, a dentist appointment here. So, I mean, it, it's <laughs> very simple. So, no, I, I wouldn't say I go too much more. Over the winter, weirdly enough, I probably go a little bit more just because, you know, I'll, I'll be up in Temple or, or one of the other college areas and it's kind of near Sugar House. But, yeah, I don't say I do too much, to be honest. All right, Jeff, very cool. Uh, we know you bet a ton of different sports. Which one are you best at? Um, I think most people would probably say um, they know me for college basketball. Um, you know, I, I don't want to be arrogant, but I will. I, I kind of, I'm kind of like Rain Man with uh, <laughs> college basketball and the amount of teams. I kind of educate myself on everything. And, you know, I, I actually just like talking about college basketball. Luckily, in Philadelphia, I'm in probably the greatest basketball city in the United States. I mean, the amount of great basketball players that have come out of Philly are just, I mean, amazing. So just from a passion standpoint, I love basketball. But I would probably say basketball, and it's definitely my favorite, the handicap. Um, I enjoy, obviously, football, NFL, or college. I, I'm actually a big soccer guy. I bet a lot of soccer, mostly England and uh, a lot of international stuff, so like Euros, World Cup, that kind of thing. So I kind of try to keep it pretty, 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 um, and I don't want to be, I don't bet tennis or hockey or any of that stuff. I kind of just stick with what I'm good at. And uh, mostly it's basketball and football and soccer. A lot of people, Jeff, don't understand how much time it takes every day to be, you know, somebody that pays attention to the lines and, and gets down at the right prices and stuff like that. Can you kind of detail that for a lot of listeners that are just starting out and, you know, they want to try to take it to the next step? How many, how much hours go into this? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think for most people it wouldn't, I mean, obviously I think I'm a little bit more different with the way I'm doing things. I do a lot of content, so I have to prepare for that. But I mean, I think from a, a, a standpoint of how much time I actually spend once these seasons get started, you know, surprisingly not, a, not a lot. I mean, most of the work that I do is before the season starts, you know, understanding, you know, who's on what team and, and, you know, just certain things. I'm a very organic handicapper. Um, you've had people on in the past that are uh, much different than the way I handicap. Um, you know, they're just looking at strictly numbers, but I think you have to look at both. To, to just say that you look at a number and that's all you're betting, I, I think is moronic. I think you have to look different ways. And, yeah, I think a lot of the time I'm spending is before the seasons. But, you know, obviously, I think once the season starts, I spend a lot of time just going back and watching a lot of these games, you know, whether it's a highlight reel or like a condensed game. You can learn so much just by understanding how a team covered or didn't cover or how a total didn't hit. I mean, all that stuff's so important. Just by watching the games, um, you can learn a whole lot and, and reading box scores and spending time you know, with the games in front of you. Um, to get into it, I mean, I would say uh, you know, just start with, um, with one sport and try to master that and um, you know, give your all to that, find your niche, and then – you don't have to bet every game. A lot of people, that's the biggest thing that people do. They just sit here and bet games because they're on TV. The biggest thing about gambling for, a, for a, an amateur or someone just starting out is 
you have to realize that it's a job. It is a business. It's, it's, if, it, if you're making money, it's not a hobby. And you're making money, you're putting your money at risk. Why are you just, you know, so quick to dole it away? Put some time in and, and um, bet on what you think has value. Very fascinating stuff from Jeff Nadeau. You guys can follow him at Jeff Nadeau on Twitter. It's kind of refreshing to hear because we do, like you pointed out, have so many guests that come on the show that do respect the number, as do I. But I do agree that you got to take into account the players, the teams. It's part of the handicap. Switching it up here a little bit. Since you are one of the originators, you produce content, you consume a whole bunch of content. What is your opinion on the current sports gambling mediascape that's available? How do you think it can be better? Uh, well, this is where I can get into trouble. So I hope I don't say anything too bad, but I think it's horrific. I think it's really bad. I mean, a lot of the unfortunate part about legalization is once something becomes popular in the flavor of the month, everybody wants to do it. I equate poker a lot to sports betting. If you watch poker, um, whether it's been for the last two years or the last 10 years, it's safe to say you're going to see a lot of the same guys. You know, that guy that wears that cowboy hat or Phil Ivey or Phil Helmuth or, or those kind of guys. There's a reason you always see those guys because they're the best and they know what they're doing um, and they're respected. Um, I've seen so many people just try to be the flavor of the month and, and fail. This is about consistency, putting content out on a regular basis. And so there's so many people involved in the space now. They're really just looking to, to latch on and they don't really have a passion for it. Um, and they're doing it because they know maybe they can get paid through doing it. Um, there are people that, because they played football, they're sports betting personalities now. What, what is what? I mean, all due respect to, to Jeff Schwartz, but what does he know about sports betting? I mean, seriously, this is an offensive <laughs> lineman. What does he know about sports betting? Why is he in this space? Certain people that have huge followings can put out just complete nonsense and not be true, and people take it as gospel. The wrong people are on TV. Uh, most of them are there just because they played the game or um, maybe they look good or something like that. At the end of the day, the real sports betting personalities, the real people that know what they're doing, you don't know who they are a lot of the time. I will never try to tell you that I'm some sharp gambler that, that never misses the wrong line and has tons of money. Look, I grind out a living. I grind out a career. Uh, it's not sexy. I'm overweight. Um, I, <laughs> there's, I'm just a regular dude. And the people that you see on these shows, these, these, these pot, you know, some of these podcasts on TV and stuff like that, they're not real gamblers. Um, they're telling you a story because they think it's cool. Um, some of these guys, some of these stories I've heard, and I, I don't want to, I'm not going to say that they've been on your show, but some of them have, and I have no problem saying that. Some of these people are in this business now because that's the flavor of the month and they want to capitalize off it. At the end of the day, most of them are handicappers. They're just trying to make money off you. Uh, and they're really not sincere. The last thing I'll say, though, if you're a tout, just say you're a handicapper. We have no issue with it. You want to sell picks? That's fine. There are plenty of people that deserve to make money off the picks that they put out. Uh, but there are just way too many that, that don't deserve to sell picks. And look, if you're going to sell picks, just tell us. Nobody cares. Tell us what you're doing. And um, I'm sure most people have no problem paying you. Excellent point, Jeff. I mean, we see that all the time now. I mean, you go to some of these sports books uh, on the weekends and you hear people that, you know, say, well, I was watching this show and this guy said that this is going to happen. So I'm going to bet that. And it's like, I almost just want to go up no. to him and go, just do the opposite of whatever that guy just said. And you'll probably make money long term. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think that's an excellent point, Jeff. It's great that we have legalization now, but you're getting to a point where there is that dark cloud of people trying to scam people with picks and this and that. And, you know, they're not really teaching these people anything as far as, you know, being a 
better, better, pardon the pun. Moving forward now, though, what's your feelings about live betting? Uh, we have a lot of people that come on the show that talk about how they either don't like live betting, they do like live betting. Uh, I see it all the time at sportsbooks. People run up to the windows, uh, you know, halftime and, and try to get down on stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'll continue to keep using the same word, organic. I'm pretty old school as well when it comes to sports betting. Um, I don't bet teasers. I don't bet parlays. I don't bet, you know, live or quarters or any of that stuff. I just stick to the game before the game. Um, I get my action in. I'm confident in the bet that I'm making. I would say the amount of times I live bet per year would be on one hand. Uh, I just don't do it very often. Um, I, I just, for me, organically look up and, and look at the game from a full game perspective. Uh, and I think a lot of the time, too many people discover live betting and that's where most of their money's lost. Um, they're willing to double down or triple down. And listen, one thing I've learned about gambling, um, you know how the NBA has their slogan is where amazing happens. That's their slogan. I look at that a lot with gambling. It is truly where amazing happens, where the thing that you think will never happen. This number can't land on 61. There's no way I lose all three bets if I lied that that number falls on 61. And that actually happened to me three or four years ago when live betting first came out. I'm doubling down, I'm doubling down, I'm doubling down. And I just have to just avoid one number. I think it was 49, and it fell right on 49, and I just I lost everything. And people just double down and double down and double down, and, and before they know it, they're – they're either giving money back or they're losing profit. I'm very simple with it. I put the bets in, they either win or lose. You heard it here first, guys. That's big man on campus, Jeff Nadu. You can follow him at Jeff Nadu on Twitter. Real quick, before we get into some college football talk, I know you're a big hip-hop head. This can be controversial, <laughs> yeah. too. What's your opinion on 90s rap versus present-day hip-hop? Well, I even think it went better. Anything before... 2010 is, is kind of my wavelength. I'm not saying I don't listen to current hip hop. Uh, most of the rap that I'm listening to now are, um, you know, I've always been very into like real street hip hop, you know, back in the day, Beanie Siegel, Styles P, Jadakiss, um, people like that. Um, and, and nowadays that's kind of where I'm at as well uh, with certain hip hop acts. But I think rap now is complete nonsense. It's trash. Um, <laughs> there's no lyricism anymore. Um, it's just about rapping about stupid stuff that doesn't make any sense. Um, none of these dudes are real rappers. They're all mumble rappers. Um, I equate nowadays, if you can go up to Funk Flex and spit for five minutes or more, um, you have my respect. Um, most people can't simply even freestyle. Um, you have to be the most basic human being. If you're not a rapper and you can't freestyle, you have no respect in my eyes. Dude, I totally agree, man. That's why I wanted to ask you that. You pretty much uh, echo every sentiment, <laughs> I, I, I think. Uh, let's get back into some college football here. I know it's one of your bread and butter sports. What teams have impressed you most through the first couple weeks here in college football? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think Maryland's been impressive. Um, you know, Wisconsin, and I think the quarterback play for them has to get a bit better, but Jonathan Taylor looks awesome. I would say North Carolina. I think they've been really impressive so far. I mean, you know, new coach, new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, a freshman quarterback. You look up right now, they're 2-0 and against the spread as an underdog. And I want to tell you right now, this team's going to cover a lot as a dog this year. They're undervalued. People don't understand how good their coordinators are. And Matt Brown is starting to get that locker room to buy in. 
Uh, a lot of people hated Herm Edwards, Matt Brown, those kind of guys, those older guys. Maybe they're not in touch with these young kids, but you know, it seems like they're buying in. Matt Brown looks like he's having fun again, and uh, what he did is the right thing. It's not necessarily the right coach hiring the right coordinators. Mac Brown understood that he was a little behind offensively from his mind, and uh, he went out and got Phil Longo, who did some great things at Ole Miss under Hugh Freeze, and Jay Bateman, who was a terrific defensive coordinator up at Army for a lot of years. So, yeah, that's the goal, getting the right coordinators. I like what I'm seeing out of the Tar Heels. I feel a lot better about that three and a half I took earlier this week, so I guess you'll like that bet. <laughs> Me too. All right, perfect. Uh, I don't want to get off the college football uh, talk here. I know Chris is that's you know one of his sports that he likes to specialize in is college football, um, but we try to cater to some people that don't really know too too much about sports gambling. Jeff, what do you think? I mean, I'm sure it's a loaded question, but what do you think are some great traits for for a good sports better to have long term? Some great traits. Um, well, I think you have to be patient. I think you have to just understand when to bet a dog and when to bet a favorite. Um, you're not being too uh, click hungry, I guess you could say. Like you're not you're staying away from live betting, a lot of the, the the exotic kind of stuff. And I think just kind of not being too greedy. You know, I think so many betters just fall. Like a quick story. You, you asked me about Sugar House and. One of the funny things, I was actually at Sugar House the day it opened. I was there betting college basketball, I remember. And I was waiting in line because they didn't have kiosks. And I was waiting in line, and I hear literally five or six different people telling me about how um, they're betting 17 parlays and 19 parlays. And I basically looked at the one guy, and I said, yo, dude. I said, this is why these casinos make so much money, people like you. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I said, you're looking for these big-time paydays, and it's like playing the lottery. And he goes, what do you mean? What do you bet? And I said, I'm betting one game tonight. He goes, one game? How are you going to make any money doing that? I said, it's not the point. I'm going to make some money tonight. Then tomorrow I'm going to come back and I'm going to make some money tomorrow. And I'm going to hope I don't lose any money. And I'm going to ground out a profit. That's how you make money. But most people nowadays are so greedy, they always want the big payday. They want the 10 to 1 big dog. It's not sexy to bet uh, a Floyd Mayweather at minus 450 against uh, – Conor McGregor. They want the big underdog price. It's, it's not going to happen. It's stupid. Most people are just too greedy. Stop being greedy. <laughs> right on. Uh, Brock and I see it all the time over here at FanDuel Sportsbook. People hog, you know, clogging up the lines, trying to put in their 19-team yep. parlay cards. It's, it's just yep. ridiculous. All right, getting back to college football here. Um, are there any betting trends that you're noticing so far in this season? Any market movements in the futures side of things? Um, well, I think something that's interesting that I noticed is um, I took Joe Burrow before the season to win the Heisman Trophy. I just wow. loved, the, the, I loved the, the offense he was going to be in. And I read a quote from Joe Burrow in a paper like last year, one of the papers down there, the Times Picayune or whatever they have down there. And he discussed that he was so excited for the new offense because they brought in a New Orleans Saints passing game coordinator, and he has run – RPO offenses his whole life. And that kind of, I kind of looked at it and I said, wow, you know, he's got a ton of weapons. You know, their offense is going to look a lot different this year. So I made, a, I made a play on Joe Burrow. It was like 30 or 40 to 1. And I thought the price was high. I just thought it was too high with that offense. They're going to be relevant. They're a good defense. And I'm noticing this week, I looked at his total, or I look at his number, and it's like 3 or 4 to 1. What? He went from 30 or 40 to 1 to 3 or 4 to 1. Wow. And 
you know, I see moves that it's wild. And the Heisman Trophy market is so volatile because if Joe Burrow goes out, you know, this next game and, and throws 18 for 30 for 167 and a touchdown and an interception, his numbers will go back up. So I think the Heisman Trophy market is always interesting. As far as something to keep your eye on, like I said, UNC is an underdog. This team's going to be a dog in a lot of games, even in the ACC. Um, they're already 2-0. I got the three and a half as well on Friday. Looking forward to that game. I think they're a good underdog team this year. I think they're the only team in the country that's two and as an underdog. The Tar Heels. Okay, uh, let me ask you, do you think we'll see any surprise teams in the playoffs, the group of four? And will, will we see a Clemson-Bama rematch at some point? Uh, I don't know. I think it's likely. Uh, but I will say this. If you made me bet on that, I'm going to say no. I think Oklahoma gets into the playoffs, and I think defensively they'll be better. I think Jalen Hurts is a chip on the shoulder, and I think all year he's going to be the it guy, and he'll be the next guy to go to the NFL from Oklahoma. I don't know if he'll be as successful. Uh, I would say LSU, watch out for that group. I just talked about Burrow and that offense. If they can keep people healthy in the secondary, I think the sky's the limit for them. Uh, DBU, as they're called, uh, they have Grant Delpit, who's the best defensive back in the country. I think the problem with, with LSU is Ed Orgeron is going to catch up to them sooner or later. I just don't know. And watch, I do know. He's not on the level of Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney or, or any of those guys. The problem with those guys, really outside of Lincoln Riley, if you look at Jim Harbaugh and Ed Orgeron, they're just not on the level of the other three. So I think that's going to be the problem. But, yeah, I think Oklahoma can, can put, can put a, a fly in the ointment maybe. Jeff, just to uh, close out my questions for you here, um, as you said, you've been gambling you know, for, for years now. Uh, I always try to ask, do you have any good, bad beat stories or the opposite, any really good beat stories? Uh, yeah, I think from a bad beat perspective, um, I'll just throw one out there. Central Michigan, West Kentucky, it was four or five years ago. Bahamas Bowl, uh, they were up, they up 49-14 going into the fourth quarter, and they didn't cover two and a half. Uh, West Kentucky, it was – come back after the show and watch that. It, it, it's amazing. <laughs> and I'll actually tell you, on Sunday, uh, the Lions, I thought they were a brutal beat. And they were up 24-6 going into the fourth quarter, and they, they, don't, they don't win the game. I mean, for a team that had three first downs uh, in the Arizona Cardinals, they come all the way back with a rookie quarterback, give me a break. But, yeah, uh, Bahamas Bowl, I think it was 2014. Go back and look at that. You'll remember. And you know what was bad about that one? Because it was on Christmas Eve, that play. <laughs> so the whole night at my family's house, I was scowling all night because I had just lost a lot of money. And people were wondering, what are you so mad about? And I said, I just lost a ton of money in the Bahamas Bowl. <laughs> and uh, if, you know, if you're a sports better, you'll remember that one. I think I remember that game, dude. I'm always betting on Christmas Eve just to, uh, you know, avoid the awkward family conversations and shit. But, uh, sure. Let me let me ask you one more thing before we let you go here. Um, a lot of people have said that this week is one of the weakest college football cards that they've seen in years. You already mentioned that you like UNC. Is there anything else that you're looking at? Well, that's a comment like that are these lame idiots in the sports betting media that think we have to enjoy <laughs> watching the game. Listen, it's about making money. I don't care about the games. I just want to find games that I can bet on. You know, one game I have my eye on is um, Minnesota-Georgia Southern. This is kind of a random game, but I've been impressed by Minnesota. I know they didn't look great week one, but South Dakota State is one of the top FCS programs in the country, and if you know anything about that program, you know that. Uh, they went out on the road and beat a good Fresno State team last week. 
you're getting a team, Georgia Southern, who is not a good football team. They're playing without their, their quarterback, Shea Wirtz. And look, we know what Georgia Southern does. They run the football, but they've been one of the worst offenses in the country this year so far. Uh, their secondary stinks. Tanner Morgan should have uh, all day to throw. He should be able to find his receivers. And this Minnesota run defense has been fantastic. At the first two games, they've only given up about 58 yards a game. They've been fantastic. I think they have a game here where they really take care of business and not worry a bit about this one. I think they go in and probably put up 40. I only think they give up maybe 13 to 16. I think it's like a 41-17 type of game. I think this is a hand ride for Minnesota. They've uh, they've had some trouble, but this should be an easy one against a bad Georgia Southern team. All right, guys, you heard it here first. We're going to be looking at the Golden Gophers this week. That was Jeff Nadu, better known as Big Man on Campus. He's a handicapper and content producer that specializes in college sports but also crushes the pros. You can follow him on Twitter, at Jeff Nadu. That's at J-E-F-F-N-A-D-U. Jeff, thanks for hopping on the pod, man. Thanks for having me, guys. It was fun. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. All right, guys, part two of our interview with Spanky is brought to you by our friends over at 902 Brewing Co. in Jersey City. I'm drinking on something we just got over here from our guys called Brady's Nightmare. It's an Imperial Pale Ale. It's got a nice picture of Tom Brady looking really woozy like he just got sacked by Justin Tuck and Michael Strahan in Super Bowl 42. It's coming in at 10% alcohol, and I was told by the brewmaster that is an ode to Eli Manning and his jersey number. Again, it's Brady's Nightmare, an Imperial Pale Ale, a New England-style IPA brewed in the Meadowlands. Brock, what are you sipping on, man? I'm drinking something very fitting for Hoboken. It's called Juicy City. Great description. Great beer. 6.2% alcohol, 43 IBUs. It's an India Pale Ale. It's delicious. It's perfect for this weather. Perfect going into football season. Juicy City from 902 Brewing Co. And if you guys are in the Hoboken, Jersey City area this weekend, our guys at 902 Brewing Company are setting up shop over at the Jersey City Craft Brew Fest. You can find them over at Harborside Atrium at 153 Exchange Place in Jersey City, New Jersey. All right, guys, and now for part two of our interview with Spanky. What do you think are like some traits you tell somebody starting off that you gotta have? You gotta learn to, to lose sometimes. You gotta learn to to beat the numbers sometimes and still lose. Uh, you know, kind of not go over your head with trying to win back the money. Like, kind of just explain a little bit to for what a, a rookie better should kind of start modeling himself after. Holy man, <laughs> that's like a that's a whole podcast by itself, fellas. I, I don't. I um. It's just it's just you know. It um, comes with time. Yeah, it, it just one. Yeah, it, it comes with time, and you, you, the whole thing is, is that if if it's a rookie better, and if you're doing it for entertainment purposes, um, you never want to lose money that you can't afford to lose. So, um, you know, you have a betting bankroll, and that's it. If you lose it, you lose it, and be able to stick and have the discipline to not chase, to be able to just say, okay, I'm done. That's it. You know, I I, I bet you can have a, a a loss limit, a win goal, and and when you reach when you reach that stuff, you just stop. You know, I mean? you have to know when to stop because there's action junkies where they have to bet every game. They feel as if they're just going to keep it rolling. No, have a win goal. Say, listen, it's either I'm going to win this amount of money or I'm going to lose this amount of money. 
And once I reach one of those things, I'm just going to stop. And a lot of people don't have that. And that's if you're doing it for entertainment. If you're trying to do this thing professionally, I strongly advise against it. It's, 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 it's relatively impossible at this, in, in 2019. I don't want to deter anybody and crush anybody's dreams because um, I was a dreamer at one point. You know what I mean? So dreams come true. But at the same time, you're really, really up against it. Uh, you're behind the eight ball if you're trying to go pro um, betting sports at this level. Um, it, it, it's very difficult. Very few people that, you know, and I know all, all the, the, the movers and the shakers, the who's who in the business, I know the guys. I, I don't know every winner, but I know everybody, I know every winner that's betting big money. So more or less, or if I don't know them, I know somebody that knows them. So the guys that are winning, it's a small circle of guys. You got to either have an edge, you got to have a lot of sharp handicappers, you got to have a good information network that I have. I have sharp handicappers. I get a set of numbers, several sets of numbers that help guide us while we're trading. I have an information network that took me decades to build where I'm going to know, you know, when ESPN announces an injury, I, I, you know, anybody that's betting professionally knew about that injury 30 minutes, an hour before they announced it. Um, it's not like breaking news. That shit isn't breaking if when it's on TV. It's done already. Every, the line's moved, done. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things in which you got to have an information network. You got to be able to know the right people, talk to the right people, trade info. You know, we're, we're very, we have a great, great injury team and injury programs that we've written a lot of artificial intelligence where we're scouting different things, blogs, Twitter, everything, to be able to look for things, to be able to get ahead and to be able to know, you know, injuries before anybody. So, and again, it's not just, you know, for the college market, um, you know, back in the day before the Twitter world, you know what I mean? We put the legwork in. We did a lot of stuff. We'd call beat writers. We'd call, you know, school campuses, and we'd just go down a board, and, you know, you, you would call the newspaper for every school, and you would find out, hey, okay, any, any any news on the team's practice today? And these school kids that are just doing it, you know, a journalism degree, um, you know what I mean? They're just trying to say, you know, uh, you know and I would just, you know, we, we're not saying, hey, we're betters here. Uh, no, nah, you know, we're, we're also writing, or, you know, we're trying to write <laughs> right. a piece, and then they'll just give you this, you know, they'll get, yeah, you know, he didn't look too good in practice. You know what I mean? You just you kind of learn these things. And then this is before the Twitter world now where everything's instantaneous. You have to put the legwork in back then and make the phone calls. But, you know, it's important. You got to just – if I was going to advise anybody, get as much information on injuries, not on who's better than anybody or who's going to – oh, yeah, this, you know, oh, oh, yeah, I like Tom Brady this year because of this. Or, no, that's it. I think, that, you know, none of that. You want to know if somebody's injured or if they're not going to be playing right, if there's some emotional stress stress involved, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What about like personal life stuff? Do you take, do you count that as much as injuries? Uh, you know, listen, truth be told, I have, um, the, the, uh, for all WNBA players, I have the menstrual cycle of everything. <laughs> <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, um, it's, um, yeah, that was bad, right? <laughs> no, I love that. <laughs> no, 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 I love no, that. No, no. It's, um, yeah, personal stuff. Again, you know what I mean? The word's out there. You know what I mean? We have, with the information network, sometimes I'll hear about a basketball team that's partying the night before at the club, and right. you know what I mean? They're all, and they got a 1230 game. You know, we used to see back in the day, Allen Iverson would be shooting craps at the Taj um, in AC, and he'd be playing the Knicks the next day, and stuff like that. You just start, you know, you just pick up on, and guys tell you stuff. It's all about information, and, and, and with the right people, with the right network, you're able to capitalize on that info. 
And uh, I think that's all amazing stuff, and it's it's probably crazy to see that transition, like you said, now to the point where it's everything is everywhere, pretty much, and it's it's hard to get those edges that you you used to be able to get. We say it all the time on the show here, and I think even in that Ringer article, they kind of hammered it home how important it is to beat the closing number, to to be a successful, you know, at this. Can you just explain? Sometimes you beat the closing number, and sometimes. It just doesn't work out sometimes. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, this is this is not a sprint; it's a marathon. So, right. um, you know, if you beat the closing number in the short term, anything can happen. But in the long run, you know, over like especially college basketball. College basketball, there's so many games that play every day and every week. Um, on a college basketball Saturday, you'll have a, over a hundred games. So. Uh, if you consistently beat the college basketball, it's going to take just one season for you to be able to make money. The, the, the long term is kind of realized. However, something like college football, and that's still there's still enough games, but something like the NBA, for instance, you know, it's not as many games, and the NFL is even worse. Um, so, and it's hard to beat the close in the NFL, especially on sides. Totals a little easier, but you, you know, just because you beat the closing number doesn't mean you can start counting your money. Right. You just have to understand that it's a, this is a long term thing you beat the close and you move on just like any investor you're going to buy stocks you're going to sell stocks but if you get in at the right price you know some of them are going to be great some of them are not going to be great but in the long run you're going to make money doing this and that's what you have to know and you have to have the bankroll and you have to believe that see i don't watch scores i don't you know occasionally i look at a score but i'm not i don't sweat stuff like that i just those days are gone and I'm emotionally detached when you're, as a pro, the successes and the failures, you just, it's, you become immune to it. You're numb. It doesn't, you know, I know that I'm going to have a winning season because I've never had a losing season. So you just kind of know that. But have I had losing days? Absolutely. Have I had losing weeks? Yes. I've even had six losing months in the last 20 years. So it's, it's, it's tough, but you, you just kind of like, you know, when you have a losing, when I have a losing month, like, you know, you kind of have to look at a few things. But then eventually you just say, okay, nah, everything's doing, everything, what's supposed to happen happens. You know, guys in my office sometimes will say, oh, did you see how we lost that game or uh, this last play? I don't listen to that crap unless they bring it up to me. I don't care because and obviously, you know, bad luck and good luck are going to balance out. There are several times in which, you know, some crazy ass play wind up making us money. It's just that, you know, human nature, nobody remembers uh, the good plays that wind up making you money. Um, you always remember those sour. There's like a sour taste in your mouth. That sour taste never goes away. But when you're eating that candy, you know, you, it, it goes away eventually, right? But that sour taste never leaves. So everybody remembers the bad, they don't remember the good. So, you know, you, it all balances out, and you just have to know how to think long term. So like Brock mentioned earlier, I think uh, a lot of our audience is new to the sports gambling world. And that's why we're lucky to have such a like sharp, fascinating uh, better here like yourself. Try to shed some light on some of the more uh, complex techniques that, you know, the 2% that you're included in out there are using. Kind of explain to the rest of us uh, recreational players, what is a betting syndicate? What do these groups do and how do they manipulate the market? So there's just a recent tweet somebody put out. I think Jake Williams wrote an article and said there's maybe 1% or 2% that are winners. I think it's a lot less than that. I think it's probably 0.01%. I think it's one even 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 lower. I, I There's so many that come and go. So I, I think, and again, I don't want to sound uh, you know um, arrogant here, but I, you know, I, I think we are 
um, in, 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 in a small, small circle of, of winning betters. When I say winning betters, I'm not talking about side, you know, making extra money on the cash. I'm talking about professional betters that make – this is my, you know, primary source of income. I don't have another job, um, so this is how I make my living. So I think 2% is an aggressive number. To, to your question about betting syndicates – well, a betting syndicate essentially is is a group like we're you know, we're a betting syndicate where we're trying to get down as much money as possible on a game that we have an edge on. So, in order to do that in this day and age, um, we have to use automated tools or what they call robots or bot betting. Um, now, we have robots. Why? Because let's, I have thousands of accounts. I, I am not going to hire a thousand employees and have each one sit in front of a computer screen and you know bet a game at all at the same time. It doesn't work that way. So we wrote a program to be able to do that. Now, you know, a lot of offshore guys, a lot of you know guys that don't know anything in the business. Oh no, that's 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 manipulation. That's there's no, no no cheating about it. There's no manipulating. We're just saving on manpower, and we're able to. We want to be able to get down at price X at time. Why? Period. That's it. There's nothing wrong with bot betting. We're not, you know, we're not pass posting. We're not changing the number. We're not breaking in to the bookmaker system. And when the line is seven, having us lay six. No, nothing like that. We just want to be able to get down all at one shot because a lot of these in this day and age, but there's there's very few line sets. So if you bet, you know, we all like I have hundreds of accounts with each bookmaker. And when I say each bookmaker, it's not the bookmaker per se, it's the per head office on the islands that are writing for that bookmaker. So these offices, they're going to have a certain number. If let's just say I have accounts A through Z with this bookmaker, by the time I get, or if I bet account A and account B, by the time I try to bet with account C at this bookmaker, the number's going to be gone already because they know A and B are sharp guys, so they're just going to move the number. So instead, I have to have A and Z bet sim- A through Z bet simultaneously for me to be able to get down at that number. That's just because, and again, A through Z are going to be all separate, 26 different bookmakers there. But it's the same line, it's the same office on the islands that are writing for this bookmaker, that are writing their business. So that, so I need to be able to do this simultaneously to get to lock in at that price, and, and that's the biggest thing for syndicates these days. I don't know of any any. I honestly don't know of any professional group that is betting significant money that doesn't have. Um, some type of an automated betting system. I've had mine since 2003. Um, there's a lot of these up and com- where nobody's even heard of it. A lot of the up and comers these days, um, you know, guys, they, you know, guys reach out to me on Twitter trying to sell me their bots and, you know, sharp guys and stuff, you know, or, or they're trying to, you know, sell bots or design bots and stuff. And very smart guys. Some of them are, are, are very good at what they do. But um, again, our stuff is proprietary. I'm the one who coded it. So, you know what I mean? I, I'm, or, you know, we're on, 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 on a superior version and we believe ours is obviously the fastest. But again, it's just all pretty much just going to a website, checking the line. If the line's there, you just bet it and you just do it all simultaneously. Super fascinating stuff, guys. Um, before we let you go, can we maybe get a couple of couple stories out of you? Any any crazy stories from back in the day down in Costa Rica? Anything you came across? Uh, oh, I, th- I thought you were going to ask me for picks. I'm like, I don't even know no. who's playing. No, 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 no. <laughs> Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, Stories in Costa Rica. You know, Costa Rica is one of those places in which the sharpest of the sharpest bookmakers back in the late 90s, early 2000s um, were there. And, and, and these guys just, you know, they had uh, the, the talent and also the risk tolerance 
to be able to just write action that's insane. So I used to visit, there's a bookmaker, he's in my opinion probably the best bookmaker I've ever seen in, you know, live or I've ever actually bet into. I could never beat the guy. He was that good. His name, we called him Mr. Green. And Mr. Green was a guy that, you know, he'd puff on, and I was just sitting there in his office. He, you know, he's from Arkansas. He had this accent, hey, Spanky, how are you? And I would just <laughs> sit there, and I would just say, hey, Mr. Green. And I would just sit there, and he goes, take a seat, Spanky. And I would just sit there watching him work. And, you know, I'm a guest and stuff, and then he would just puff on his cigar. And then you'd have this ticker coming in of all the bets that would come in. You know, a $3,000 bet, a $5,000 bet, Mr. Green wouldn't even acknowledge. And then you'd see a $100,000 bet come in. And this is back in, God, maybe, um, 05, 06, maybe something like that. And a $100,000 bet would come in, and he would just, you know, he would just say, you know, let's say a baseball game. I remember it was baseball season. Um, I don't know the teams. Let's say the Royals and the Orioles. Let's say you know, the line was a pick em, so minus 05 both sides. And he would just say, you know, make the Royals 07. So he'd only move it two cents on a $100,000 bet. But then you'd have another account that would come in, maybe just a $10,000 bet, and then he would move it so much more aggressively. So if let's just say somebody came in on the Orioles minus 03, he would say, all right, make the Orioles 11 now. So, you know, it, it's one of those things in which he would book according to the act, not just the amount of money, but who the player was, the, you know, and you would profile the players. And when I would see this, it was just, you know, again, you, you kind of hear about it, you know about it in theory, but when you see it live happening with the kind of money that I've seen, this guy booking you kind of like oh my god these guys are just unbelievable like they, they 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 got it down to a science they know that player x we move this amount on player y we don't even move on um player z we might move a little bit just because he's a big better but we're not going to move that much on and he kind of classifies all these guys and he's just so confident and 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 and, and just to see that you know what i mean um now you know in this day and age a hundred, you know, you hear it makes headlines. Uh, guys would, would would put it out. Oh man, this somebody at the Mirage just spent fifty thousand dollars on this thing. You know that would make headlines, and that people would just you know tweet about it and stuff. Whereas you know what I mean, a fifty dime and a hundred dime bet in Mr. Green's office was just like you know boom, it was all day every day, and it's just that's why you know people talk about. Um, you know, with this regulated bookmaking, the coming to the United States, you know, let's be let's be real. We all know that this the roots of this is 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 offshore now, where it's where it's gotten to a different level, and it's been fine tuned offshore for the last twenty five years, and you know, bookmakers offshore have changed the game forever. This is why somebody like a bet Chris will always you know has been on top. Before Chris, before they left the U.S. markets, a place like a Pinnacle Sports have always been on top because these guys were the trendsetters. They're the ones that says, you know what, okay, we can take sharp action and we know how to use it. We'll use the information accordingly and we'll still be able to turn a profit. And there's still legendary guys in Vegas that have taken this that have taken this model and that are not afraid to book sharp, that don't kick out sharp betters. Guys like a Chris Andrews at the South Point or a Jimmy V, these guys, you know, they've seen it. They've seen it all. They, they they know what they're doing. They're old school guys, and, and now with 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 um with the circa, uh, with these guys, Derek Stevenson company and Matt over there. You know these guys. You know they're old school. They know what's up, and um and and they're welcoming everybody. They're not kicking anybody out. From what I hear, I haven't heard anything. So you know, and I don't think they will kick anybody out. And you know, as long as you know, you take the, you take a, a a decent bet from the sharps. You move on their action. You give them a fair shake. The sharps are going to be happy to be there, and and it's a two way street. You know what I mean? Like, 
you know, just for me, if a guy lets me bet and if I, if I, if I know of an injury on a game, I'd say, hey, listen, you know what I mean? I think you should take that game down. You know, you kind of give a courtesy thing. I don't have to do that, but they appreciate that. You know, and that's how you do it. Guys like like Olympic sports even back in the day, you know, like he would, um, he, he was, he's another one I could never beat. Spiros, when, when he was a prevalent booking in the U.S., you know, when you'd call up and you would place a bet, you know, you'd always ask for 5000 It was just standard because, you know, they'll probably, you know, they'll probably cut you down to 2500 or whatever. Or you ask for 10000 or 20000 whatever, because they'll never give you what you want. But if you kind of anchor them high, they'll kind of cut you in half. So if I really want $10,000, i will ask for 20000 mm. stuff like that. And, and then, you know, with somebody like Spiro, who's a betting bookmaker, very, very sharp, if you ask for 20000 and then he would say, and then you hear the Jamaican clerk tell me, okay, you got it. Uh, he's asking if you want more. And that's when you start panicking, like, oh, wait a minute. You know, he never gives me 20000 And, you know, I usually, sometimes he'll say, no, you only got to have 3000 But now he gave me the twenty, and now he's asking if I want more. So now you're trying to rush this clerk off the phone so you can get the hell off this game because this ain't going to turn out good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, you want to get the hell off that game and move on, take the big loss, maybe work a small middle in them, and then you start learning. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm not going to ask this guy for 20000 again. And then you just learn these bookmakers kind of tip their caps because they know they're, they're the ones that have all the info. They're booking all the sharp guys. So, the, you know, if you just see the bookmaker's number, the bookmaker's number can tell you everything. If every bookmaker has a seven, but some bookmaker has an eight on a game, okay, unless it's Vegas. Vegas will favor the favorites. They're, they're trying to incite dog action. That's a bad example. But let's just say every bookmaker has a seven, but somebody in Vegas has a six on a number, okay? That's going to tell me something. You know, why is he having a six when you have all the tourists that are coming there trying to bet dogs? Some there must be a, some sharper, some somebody that has some insight that he respects that he's booked for a while that he moved his line down to six. If he went to six and a half, maybe he's just moving on money. But if he goes to six, that's a little bit of an extra thing. He's really telling you, come lay my six, come over here. And then this, these are things that you just kind of use. And it's like, hey, wait a minute. Let me take a position now on plus seven, see how this pans out. Maybe give him a little bit of a minor courtesy pop on six for the info, uh, on laying the six for the info, et cetera, et cetera. So, so, you know, again, I'm just rambling on here, but these are just the thoughts that are going on in my head on, on the trials and tribulations that I've been through on, on just looking at numbers all day and, and seeing how things move and, 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 and why they move, um, which is, is very important. It's all interesting stuff. And, I mean, I see it sometimes, too, with baseball totals. You look at Chris will close a game nine, and everybody else is painted nine and a half and stuff like that. Exactly, so, yes. So you, yes. See, you see that sometimes, and you wonder, hey, somebody probably knows what they're doing there. It has the under. You know? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. All right, what about the time? Uh, tell us and the listeners about the time that you were beating Billy Walters to his numbers. What happened there? And maybe explain to some of the younger crowd actually who Billy Walters is. So um, Billy Walters is, is probably, not probably, is, you know, easily, definitely, probably the world's sharpest sports better that, that, that's ever came around. Um, he, he changed the game, started with the computer group. There's a whole big article about Billy. And, and Billy Walters, um, you know, he surrounded himself with smart guys, had Doc Ivan Midland, who, who created the computer program to help him to be able to, 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 to spit out numbers and to be able to, um, you know, get the best of the sports books. And whenever Billy would bet, the world would listen, they'd say. So um, anytime Billy Walters would bet, you know, not only would the line move, you know, the game, the game would obviously win more often than not, but, um, but the line would always move. Bookmakers would respect that line. 
So Billy, you know, we, we whenever we always want anybody that's coming up in the business or anybody, even today, if Billy Walters himself, you know what I mean, um, was betting today, not that his group isn't betting today, I mean, I, I, but if he himself is betting today, you'd always want to be on Billy's side because Billy is, is well respected. So, you know, we, we were able to look at certain certain sports books offshore or in Asia uh, or, and, and we'd be able to see where Billy would be playing a game. So we, we, we kind of got tipped off looking at certain numbers that Billy was on. Let's just say, I don't know what the game was, Louisville minus seven. I, I, I'm, again, I'm just making teams up. I don't know. What the, so Louisville minus seven. So at the time I had runners in Vegas. And I just said, you know what? Let me um, let me let me get a little minus seven for myself before the screen moves. So I have my guy in, in the mirage. I'd say, go lay to seven on Louisville. So he'd come in later, later for ten thousand. About five minutes later, I got a phone call. A buddy of mine in Vegas, and he asked me. He goes, um, do you ever run at the mirage? I'm like, why? He goes, just answer the question. Do you ever run at the mirage? I'm like, yeah. He goes, uh, is his name John? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, did he just lay Louisville minus seven? I said, yeah. <laughs> and then he goes, well, uh, B- Billy just sent you a message saying that's his play. Don't take his plays. The mirage is his place. And, and, and that shit shook me. I'm being honest. Like, you know what I mean? I'm a young kid at the time. Um, not too young, but I'm still young enough. I, 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 was, I was old enough not to say, not to tell the guy, well, go tell Billy to go F off. I wasn't that <laughs> stupid. But I was, still, uh, I was still shook. You know what I mean? So then, you know, and then you start thinking, like, how the hell did they know all this? Obviously, the Mirage guys that are working, Billy has them all in their pockets, the guys in the back, okay? So Billy knows anybody. Nobody knows my runner's name. Nobody. He doesn't talk to nobody. He just does this thing, bets nobody. The only people that know him is obviously casino personnel that are working behind the counter. So Billy not only got my runner's name, and then he figured out somehow that this guy works for me, which nobody, you know what I mean? He might have just, I don't know if it was a lucky guess, or I just don't know, dude. You know what I mean? It was just one of those things I just don't know. So... You know, since that time, and I, I never, I, I just told my guys, I'm like, that's it. The Mirage is his place. We ain't touching the Mirage no more. Uh, everything else is fair game, but I, I ain't gonna, you know, that guy, when it comes to Vegas, he had so much pull, so much clout. You don't want to step on that guy's toes. And, and again, it's it's respectful. You know what I mean? It's his play. It's not like I'm, I'm he's stealing my play. I'm taking his play, brother. So even though it's a free market and this, that, and the other thing, I'm going to respect his wishes. I'm going to just back off. There's so many other sports books I could bet. And uh, I moved on. But that 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 story shook me that time when I, when I got that phone call, man. I was like, oh, man, you know, it's not every day, you know, you get a phone call like that. And so. that had to be the moment where you knew you were doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. You know what I mean? Definitely. You know, I I, uh, I guess I didn't even think about it that way. But, yeah, you know, I, I, I knew I was listening. I knew um, there's a lot, of, a lot, a lot of sharp groups in the business, a lot of guys that don't like me around, you know what I mean? They'd love to have me out of the business just because, again, it, it's it's like I said, you know, I, uh, being fast is always more important than being right. I'm very fast, and I snipe shit, you know what I mean? That's what it is. It's not about, you know what I mean, they'll do all the work, and they'll plug their numbers in, and they'll have the nerds in the back, you know, okay, we're going to bet this. But you know what? You do all that. I'm going to do absolutely nothing, but I'm still going to get down. I'm going to get mine regardless. That's just that's just part of it. Why? Because I have technology on my side. That's the thing. In, in any business, you know, superior technology is going to always, you know, it's always going to overcome whatever. So, you know, I'm going to still, you know, get my thing. I don't need to be able to, to have so many handicappers and to quote unquote originate numbers. Nah, man. It's, it's an, why would I do that? I got to keep up with that. 
that. You know what I mean? It, it, it's not exciting to me. You know, I'm gonna get. I'm always gonna get the best number anyway. I'm always gonna beat the market because I see stuff. I know what's happening. I'm able to watch certain places move. I have an information network. So why do I need to have a bunch of guys that are that are gonna originate numbers when I'm gonna get sometimes even a better number than the originator? You know what I mean? That's it. It just that's how you beat the game. You kind of play smart. You don't. If you could work smart and not work hard, it works. You feel me? Absolutely. I'll be honest with you. I, I've completely changed my approach from being uh, somebody that started out betting to where I am now, and that's pretty much what I, I try to do. <laughs> Good stuff. I, I learned that other that that side of the aspect to it, and that's kind of what I try to go by. Just in closing, this is my last question. Uh, just as a, a, I'm sure you could talk about this for a long time too, just to educate kind of the younger people that are that are getting involved. Can you just explain the damage that like too much juice can do to your bankroll and just overpaying for stuff? There's people out there at FanDuel I see they're buying points like crazy, thinking that that's the way to to get down better numbers that they miss. Can you just kind of give us a brief little synopsis there on, on juice? In, in this day and age, it's it's very rare that buying a half a point is ever worth it, um, unless the sports book is completely clueless. You know, there's still offshore sites that'll still charge twenty cents off an NFL three. And, and they'll charge, you know, ten cents off a of college seven, but but they're few and far in between. Usually, if a sports book's trying to entice you to actually pay more juice, or actually even entice you to sell a half a point and get some extra juice, they're 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 going to be jerking you around. They're not going to be giving you a fair shake. So I think just to start off, in general, I would not buy or sell anything. You just you know, if you're going to just bet into a number, you bet into the number because you have you know, unless you know what every half point is worth. That's not, you know, it's, it's not a good strategy. With respect to juice, you know, everything everything is based on price. Juice is, 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 is um, you know, an old bookmaker once told me, you know, juice don't matter if you win. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, it, it's, 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 it's one of those traps, right? Juice doesn't matter if you win, but you're never going to win every bet. And you will get juiced out and you will go broke if you're, if you're laying um, heavy juice um, or heavier juice. If you're betting into in baseball, you know a thirty cent line or a twenty five, even a twenty cent line. But twenty cent line, I guess, is acceptable. If you're betting into a twenty five cent line, thirty cent line, you know it's so hard to be able to do that and and come out on top. You know, you, you, every every book that I've always read, or and, and, and you know, gambling one on one. If you're betting baseball, you always say, you know, ask the bookmaker, I want a dime line. And most bookmakers are going to oblige, or you know, at least you know, credit guys. You know, FanDuel and all these guys, they have kind of a monopoly on the market, where. Unfortunately, guys are going to come in. They don't know what the price is. They don't care. They're going to walk in there and they're going to say, "I'm betting the Yankees. I don't care what the price is. I'm betting the Yankees. That's it." See it all the time. There. Yeah, yeah, that's how it just happens. Or I'm betting the Knicks. Or I'm betting this, that, and and, and you know, FanDuel recognizes that. And and you know, again, they're saying, "Oh, why are you gouging?" No, nah, listen, it's a business. As long as you, you give a, a fair comeback on the other side, you could always take the opposing team. And if you get a you get a better price there, you're more than welcome to. You know, it's always important to be able as a book, a successful bookmakers that I've known, especially back in the day, would always book to their clientele. I'd have a bookmaker, and this was just a classic thing. When I was coming up, there would be a bookmaker in L.A. Let's just say the Lakers.
Lakers were playing the Knicks. There'd be a bookmaker in LA. They'd hang up the Lakers set minus seven. And then the same game in New York, they'd have the Lakers minus five because they know in New York, everyone's betting the Knicks. So, you know what I mean? And everybody in LA is betting the Lakers. So what you just do is you'll just lay the Lakers minus five in the New York bookmaker and take the Knicks plus seven with the LA bookmaker. And you have a two point middle in the, on the NBA side. That's huge. So you just have to know how to be able to, you know, this, despite bookmakers booking to their, to their locale, which again, it's, it's, it's not prevalent as much as it used to be now with the internet, with everything being, you know, with all the lines kind of being, uh, uh, stale and stagnant where bookmakers not really you know where it was hard to kind of find the number um other than you know once once that number was in the newspaper you kind of never really got updates since then but now with you know live data feeds and everything else th- those days are gone but you know you definitely want to be careful and not lay that much juice um or overlay juice price shop for any any beginner out there don't bet into just one sports book. Have at least don't even start betting until you have at least eight, nine, ten sports books. And then if you want to do your work and if you like a team, go into every one of those sports books and only bet that at the cheapest or the cheapest favorite or the highest dog that you could get. Like that's like that's the best thing, best advice you give anybody. Just price shop. It's so easy. Um, it's not like you have to go and, and walk and like, like you had to do back in the day. You just could go on, log in, have 10 different apps, and just, just shopping alone can take out the edge significantly, and it could definitely have you lose a lot slower than you were supposed to. And it's definitely prevalent in New Jersey, I can tell you that. If you download all the apps, you will find some good stuff out there. Absolutely. A lot of discrepancies. All right, guys, just tremendous nuggets being dropped by our guy Spanky. You guys can follow Spanky on Twitter, at Spanky. It's been such a pleasure having you here, man. Learning from you. Thank you you so so much, Brock. Hope hope to have you back again soon, man. No, it's always a pleasure. You guys are good people, man. I love it. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. You're welcome anytime. All right, guys, what an awesome interview with our guy Spanky. So much good information, so many awesome stories. If you guys didn't hear part one, please go back to last week's episode and check it out. Brock, what's up, dude? College football week three, NFL week one. Are you ready? Oh, I am ready, Chris. I'm back with a vengeance, and I've got some games on my list, but I'll have you lead off first with some college football. Anything uh, on your plate so far this week? Not the greatest slate I've ever seen. There um. There was nothing really jumping off the board of me, but after I finish my handicap, I do have a couple plays here for you. The first one I'm looking at here is Saturday, September 14th, 12 p.m. kickoff. It's Kansas State versus Mississippi State. Mississippi State favored by eight points at home. I'm going with the dog. I'm going with the Wildcats, plus eight over a touchdown, which is a key number. Like I said before in past episodes, I'm a big power rankings guy. So if you look at the Jeff Sagram power rankings, they actually say that Kansas State should win by two. So if they're getting eight, that for me, that's value. I really like quarterback Skylar Thompson. He's a uh, fifth-year senior. He's been playing great. They've been riding high. They're off to a 2 and no start. And they had a little bit of a revenge factor. I like to play these spots here. Mississippi State throttled them last year, 31-10. to And K-State boasts an electric running game that I think is going to give uh, Mississippi State some trouble. The Wildcats have only punted once all year long. Give me Kansas State plus eight. 
All right, Chris, I'll uh, I'll definitely take a look into that game. Uh, you know me so far for college football. I only got two plays so far. Uh, I took the UNC plus three and a half when it was available earlier this week, and I also played West Virginia plus seven. I see that down to six and a half in some spots. So hopefully there are some sevens out there, and I'm sure if you have a lot of outs and you can definitely get a lot of outs in New Jersey, <laughs> uh, I'm sure some of those numbers still might be around in some shops. Definitely going to be taking a look at UNC, especially since our guest, a big man on campus, Jeff Nadeau, picked that play. Brock's on board. Seems like something we have to jump on. Moving on to my next pick here. This is the Victory Bell Bowl, one of the longest regular season uh, rivalry matchup games going in the country. It's Miami, Ohio versus Cincinnati. You got the Bearcats at home favored by 17 and a half. Miami, Ohio getting 17 and a half. This is also a 12 p.m. game on Saturday. If you go back, this is a little bit of a historical handicap here for me. If you go back to 2016, Miami, Ohio was up 20-17 to at Cincinnati going into the fourth quarter. So I know that this team can play here in a big game like that. Cincinnati beat UCLA, a team that's not that great in my opinion, in week one, 24-10. But then they got thumped last week versus Ohio State, 52 to nothing. I really like what I'm seeing from true freshman quarterback Brett Gabbert. He looked solid in the big loss to a very good Iowa team in week one. So I think we're getting some value here with the Miami-Ohio Redhawks, plus 17 and a half. I actually have a uh, an addition to that game. I uh, got some info from somebody who likes the over a lot in that game. Went from 48 and a half up to about 49 and a half. So might want to uh, look to the over there. There we go. Bunch of plays here in college football. I'm going to pass it over to Brock. He's my man in the NFL. What are you looking at this week? Well, Chris, historically, one of my favorite weeks to bet every year in the NFL is week two, commonly known as the overreaction week. Everybody wants to bet what they just saw last week. And again, uh, in September, you got to give it a couple weeks till we get to these lines. Uh, really are super sharp and hard to beat once we get on to the season here. But week two, there's going to be a lot of opportunities to make some money, I think. Um, I looked at the card here. A couple games I really like. Um, just real quickly, I'll, I'll tell you the ones that I played so far. I'm taking Minnesota. Plus the three. I think that line's going to close somewhere around two and a half. I think the Sharps are going to come in and take Minnesota. They've got a great defense. And, uh, you know, they usually play the Packers pretty well the last couple of years. I know Kirk Cousins is only there uh, in his second year now. Um, but I think from what I saw with Green Bay, they did play a hell of an opening game against Chicago. However, it took them a little bit of time to try to get into that offense, it seemed a little bit. Now, Chicago does have a good defense, and you know the Bears were at home. That's a tough place to come into first game of the year. Um, but I think this Green Bay offense is still trying to kind of figure things out. They will be at home. It's tough to play in the home opener, especially, too. you got the, uh, the new head coach there, his first home game uh, in front of the crowd. And it's a division rival, and Minnesota is coming off of a uh, – a major beatdown on the Falcons. The Falcons look lost last week uh, in Minnesota. But I think division rivalry game, take the three points. If you want to get cute with it, maybe tease it a little bit, uh, go up through the three. Uh, but, yeah, I definitely played Minnesota so far. You got anything on your list uh, that you're looking at there? Brock, Brock, Brock. I love it, bro. I love when we got we are on the same game. I'm going to skip ahead. I was going to talk about this game next, but I am also on the Vikings plus three. As you said, it's an overreaction. Everyone thinks right now that the Packers are world beaters, but the Vikings didn't look too bad last week either. And this is a tough, like you said, divisional matchup in week two. The Vikings offense looked way better than the Bears in week one. Vikings, man, plus three. For me, it's a no-brainer. 
tough interdivisional matchup. Week two, plus three, take the points every time. Yeah, a couple other games, Chris, just real quick that I like for the listeners to uh, maybe take a look at. As disgusting as it might sound to some, I do like the Detroit Lions this week at home. Line went to three and then immediately went to two and a half. You know, the Chargers coming now cross-country to Detroit. Um, last week they did play a home opener game with Indy that went to overtime. I do think that they do still have some guys banged up uh, on the Chargers. And also, to Detroit, I mean, you know, they played a sloppy second half of that game, had no business going to overtime in Arizona there and then tying. So I think definitely take a look at Detroit when they're getting points at home. Uh, just historically not very good laying the points, but, you know, home opener, West Coast team coming to town. Take a look maybe at Detroit. And then uh, some other games just real quick to take a look at here. Um, Just rapid fire, kind of giving you some thoughts. I like your New York Giants at home. I think they... uh Definitely had a tough, tough week one uh, in Dallas. That was a tough game for them. And Dallas looked more prepared than than normal. Uh, I guess the Zeke stuff, everybody, you know, was really uplifted by that. But I think uh, the Bills are going to be in MetLife again, and I don't think they're going to have as much luck as last week. And uh, real quick, Sunday night game I'm just going to go to. I'm going to give a chance with Philly. I think Philly's going to outmatch Atlanta. Atlanta looked completely lost last week in Minnesota. I know they will go home now, but same thing kind of like with the Green Bay handicap. I think it's a new offense there. They're working on some things, trying to figure out what works, and I think Philly is just a a real powerhouse team. I know they got off on a bad foot last week with Washington, and Washington gave them uh, a hell of a game. Uh, You know, Had the lead going into the half, I think it was, Uh, and then in the end, Philly eventually got the win didn't cover the 10, um, but I think this Philly team is going to be really good. I think they're still undervalued. I'm seeing it right now pretty much one and a half, one. Might be some picks still out there. I think Philly's got a real shot this week to go into Atlanta on Sunday night football and leave with a W. There it is, guys. couple games, couple plays, couple picks from the one and only Brock Landers. You guys can follow him on Twitter, at BrockLanders41. I got one more game I'm looking at here on the NFL slate. It's a 1 p.m. kickoff. It's the Ravens versus the Cardinals. This is another overreaction spot here. Everyone's thinking that Baltimore Ravens are the best team in the world, but let's not forget they were playing against the Miami Dolphins, who are arguably the worst team in the NFL. Yes, Kyler Murray looked like shit for the first three quarters, but I think he figured some stuff out in the fourth quarter last week. He was 15 of 19 with two touchdowns to lead them back to a 27-27 tie that Brock mentioned earlier. If you look at the first half, his passer rating was only 19.8, but in the second half, he was a 106.7. And like I said, the Ravens scored, yeah, 59 points versus the Dolphins. Like, what does that mean in the big scheme of things? You have new Arizona Cardinal Terrell Suggs, who's played his whole career with the Baltimore Ravens, coming back. He's going to be fired up. Little revenge factor again to go up against his old team. Give me the Cardinals plus 13, man. It's almost two touchdowns in the NFL. Chris, I like that handicap a lot, and I do agree with that analysis. I make my lines pretty much Sunday night, Monday morning. A lot of people ask what's my kind of style to go in the NFL. Look, NFL's tough. You can do all your homework you want. Uh, You can try to beat the numbers the best you can, but it's a very efficient market. It's tough to beat long term. But I still like to go through each game, give it my own line. And my line for that game, Chris, I made it around 10. So it's up to about 13 and a half now. I think we're definitely seeing a lot of overreaction there. I do worry about Kyler Murray going uh, on the road for his first game. Uh, in a hostile Baltimore environment, and Jim Harbaugh, he could try to run up the score on this rookie head coach to try to uh, 
prove a point. So that does scare me a little bit, but I do agree with you there on Arizona. Well, Chris, we're out of time for this week's show. And a reminder, make those bets, beat those lines, and cash them tickets. That's it for Season 2, Episode 4, guys. Thanks to our guests, Spanky and big man on campus, Jeff Nadeau. And as always, thanks to my co-host, Brock Landers, and the guys here at Van Voorst Films. Get pumped. Get psyched. And as always, good luck, happy handicapping, and may the gambling gods look gracefully down upon you. Thanks for listening, guys. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Don't forget to leave us a review. And please tell all your friends about the Wager Pager podcast. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Wager Pager. Also, if you or a loved one has a gambling addiction, don't be scared to seek help. You can contact the National Council on Problem Gambling at 1-800-522-4700. They're open 24 hours a day, and all calls and text messages are confidential. The Wager Pager Podcast is co-hosted by Chris Rogers and Brock Landers, executive produced by Van Voorst Films, edited by Van Voorst Films, co-produced by Chris Rogers and Brock Landers, created by Chris Rogers and Mercedes Barba. Music by The Moreau's Project, produced and written at San Francisco Music Studios. Logo designed by John Carbonella. All picks are for entertainment purposes only. These plays are not financial advice. <laughs>